the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What up, Jimmy? Tyson, my friend, I'm excited about our guest today. It's one of our favorite guild members. His name is John Fritz. He's an estate planning attorney from St. Louis MO. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. John, I'm excited to have you too. You're a local guy. Uh, You seem to be doing really, really well. Tell us though about your journey and how you got to where you are now and starting your firm. Yeah. So I came out of law school in 2011 and, um, you know, was kind of a rough patch for lawyers getting jobs at that time. And um, about, after about six months of uh, you know sending off resumes and, and doing that sort of thing, I uh, landed a job over in Illinois at an insurance defense firm who specialized in toxic tort defense litigation. So, <laughs> Tyson, you don't even do uh, toxic tort, or, you know, on the plaintiff side. But anyways, so I did that for about six years and kind of worked my way up the chain there. You know, got a lot of extremely valuable experience on how to litigate cases on the defense side. So was licensed in New York, still am licensed in New York, Illinois, and in Missouri. At some point in that kind of journey, I decided that I didn't want to depose people that were, you know, either sick or about to die, you know, for the rest of my life and kind of go that route. And I wanted more of a, you know, I had that that vision, you know, when I first decided to be a lawyer of, you know, being that, you know, person in the community who, you know, that was helping people, right? And I mean, it, my my work was extremely valuable, what I was doing, but, you know, I was working for a Fortune 100 company overseas who just, you know, wanted to pay less money, you know, for cases. So decided that that's, I needed to take a different route. And my wife at the, um, had said, um, you know, you know, you've kind of spoke about opening your own firm before. Now's the time. It's either now or never. So I, you know, gave my notice about two months later, found an office space, bought a computer and just kind of opened them the door up and uh, started building a law firm, right? So basically, you know, I, I started out doing estate planning work and plaintiff's personal injury work because I had the defense litigation background. And then, um, you know, ultimately added on probate work. And, you know, my journey lasted for about up until the first of this year. So almost about five years, I did all three practice areas. And at the first of this year, made a big change 
you know, partly because of you guys and just all the messaging from the, you know, the guild about, you know, niching down and how important it is and, and profitable it can be. And um, so decided to drop my estate planning practice in my personal injury practice and solely focus on scaling my probate practice. Well, so I guess I probably need to re-record that intro when I said you're an estate planning lawyer. I just went off your website. No worries. Yeah, yeah. And it's all good. People figure that out. Talk to us about that part of things. Like, I know a lot of people, especially when they go from the defense side to representing individuals, sometimes there's a real fear to do something different and maybe even a little bit of imposter syndrome. How did you, I mean, I get the part about not wanting to be deposing dying people, but how do you get to then say, I mean, I did it with immigration, but how do you just sort of declare I'm this new kind of lawyer? I mean, I think the declaration was easy. You know, I'm kind of the, you know, my mindset is sometimes to my detriment is that I can learn to do anything and I can actually, and I can learn it and I will become successful at it with time with through trial and error. So I basically, you know, was starting out thinking, well, I know it's going to take some time. So I kind of established expectations. Okay. My first year is, is I know what it's going to look like. I'm not going to step out and have all this business or be able to handle all this business in my first year. I would say the fear was not really there for me. I, I wasn't afraid of going on the, that path because I had some leeway. My situation would have been a little bit different had my family, me being the sole income in my family, you know, so there was a lot of factors that made it easier for me to kind of go down that path and kind of learn it and do the trial and error. The fear wasn't necessarily there, but the imposter syndrome for sure was there. And when it, when it comes to, you know, starting from scratch, you know, with estate planning is what I kind of started with and learning estate planning from scratch, you know, you have to put on the hat of I'm an estate planning attorney and I know how to do everything. And for me, that's, I don't like doing that. I mean, <laughs> I don't like, I'm, not, I'm the type of person who, you know, I like to come across exactly how I am. And that, so that was kind of tough for me to put on kind of that hat. But w what I did was to kind of cope with it was, you know, I grabbed a couple of mentors. You know, I reached out to other lawyers, had a couple of mentors who were in the estate planning space, you know, ex experts at what they were doing and reached out to them and said, hey, let's partner on cases so that I can learn from you. I'll send you all of my cases that are outside of my tiny little box that I know how to do right now. And then I can, you know, it's kind of a mutually beneficial relationship. So I feel like I dealt with the imposter syndrome by bringing on that mentor and, and using him to help me learn, but also as that support to, if I needed help, I could turn to him. So, you know, what really strikes me about you is it's interesting. You've been doing this for 12 years, but you've really got a knack for systems and processes and automations, and you've really got it down. I mean, you even have products that you've created that automate things. It's quite impressive. Where does that come from? I mean, like, that's kind of crazy to me, like how you've picked that up so easily. Where does that come from? And then when it comes to those aspects of running your firm, what advice do you have to other lawyers that are just starting out on this journey? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the systems and processes, I don't know. It's just, I feel like that I'm just really interested in. I'm really passionate about, you know, early on in my legal career when I was a defense lawyer, I never really had the chance to explore kind of that creative side, right? It was always simply going to work and, you know, it's, everything was boilerplate. And, and, um, and once I kind of started on my own, well, it's like, okay, well, we have to start creating now, right? We have to create a, you know, some sort of process and, you know, it's been an evolution, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to build this amazing thing outside the box. You know, it took me years to build. And, um, you know, I would say the, the just being passionate about, it, it all comes down to efficiency for me. So I just have that ingrained in my blood of where I just, 
I need to be hyper efficient. And if something isn't efficient, you know, I can tell a detail in, in, in the process where it, okay, this is what's slowing us down. How do we change it? How do we become, become more efficient and more of a, you know, problem solving. But, you know, like I said, it's a lot of trial and error. You know, I don't know how many, how many errors I've made when it comes to processes or systems where, you know, you plug something in new and it does not work and you're like, okay, well, let's try again. But I think having the mentality of I'm never going to stop trying until I figure out, you know, not the perfect equilibrium, but pretty close to it. And so constantly tweaking and just trying new things, you know, has been a strong suit of mine and, and has brought success when it comes to processes and systems. All right. So you said something and it was alarming for me, a light bulb went off my own internal stuff because we're going through processes now and streamlining things. And you said something that when you were working at your other firm that it was boring, it was boilerplate. So that was a little alarming for me because I'm like, oh my gosh, like what are we doing in our firms that are making things boring for our people? So what would your advice, I guess, be to people that have gotten bored in their jobs? Like, like how do we as law firm owners make it so that the jobs are not just boilerplate and boring? You had mentioned, obviously, you know, building systems and processes and this kind of you know, flows along with your question. But when it comes to the mundaneness of the law firm, like what are people doing that they want to pull their hair out every single day? Because it's the same thing over and over, the repetitiveness. And it really did not, you know, creating some of these automation systems within my firm did not stem out of, okay, how do I make my employees' jobs you know, less mundane and less boilerplate, but more from a functionality standpoint of how do I reduce the amount of time that the attorney is actually spending on a file, right? And to get my time back, because that's what it all started from was I don't have enough time in the day to do all these things. So my advice would be for other law firm owners that have, you know, it's kind of a twofold where if it's, you know, not just the mundaneness of that, but also efficiency is reduce the boilerplateness of your law practice through automation or some sort of system or process. I mean, I know that, you know, my paralegal at my firm, when she started, I was in the early stages of building the automation for our probate documents. And, you know, it took about two years to build completely and I'm still tweaking it. But, you know, I could see it very easily where, you know, she would be sitting down and just filling out documents, the same document over and over, typing in the same information, right? And as that being one of those kind of boring, mundane, you know, topics or just tasks. And so now through our automation, we've removed that from her job task of simply, it's just entering data in, here are all the documents for the entire case, then we can go on to other things, right? As opposed to, you know, basically being a data entry specialist for, for half the time. The Guild is Maximum Lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you're granted exclusive access to quarterly in-person events around the country. The next Mastermind is coming up on July 20th and 21st in Denver, Colorado, featuring hot seat sessions and personal coaching with renowned performance coach Jason Selk. This event will give you the opportunity to work directly with Jason, who has helped countless high-performing individuals and teams reach their full potential. During the hot seat sessions, you'll gain valuable insights and learn strategies to help you overcome the challenges you're facing in your practice. For a limited time, you can get your ticket at the lowest early bird price. Head to maxlawevents.com to join now and reserve your spot at the upcoming Guild Mastermind. You're listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Our guest today, Attorney John Fritz, he's made some shifts in his growing law firm. John, talk to us a little bit about what was the final straw that made you decide to narrow down to just probate and how did your team take it? I mean, the, the, the final straw was, 
basically I was going in so many directions in a given week. I mean, you know, watching other lawyers, you know, in the guild and just listening to, you know, some of the other lawyers in St. Louis and your guys' podcast about, you know, how important it is to niche down. I thought, you know, if there's something there, then I should try it, right? I should give it a shot. But it was simply, you know, one of the weeks I had leading up to that decision was, you know, I was sending out discovery in a personal injury case um, on the plaintiff's side. You know, I had two or three estate plans of closings I was doing. And then I had three different probate cases that I had to prepare documents for and, and do that. And my mind was so all over the place. It was creating a lot of stress. And I just said, look, you know, this is, you know, I was trying to be good at three different things and trying to build three different law firms in one. And it just it didn't make any sense. It took me longer than I, you know, would like to admit that it took me to, you know, it took me five years to realize that. But once I actually realized that it was, you know, I've taken away probably at least 50% of my stress that I was carrying before. And it's been, you know, absolutely phenomenal from a from an ownership standpoint and also a scalability standpoint, because trying to do three things at once or scale three different practice areas is, is impossible. It's hard enough to scale one. So, All right, John, I want to shift gears just a little bit. Before the show, you said that you wanted to increase brand recognition. And I'm curious what that means. Like, What are you talking about when it comes to increasing brand recognition? Are you talking about you want to bring in more cases or you just want to be well-known in the St. Louis area? And where's that coming from? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a combination of both. You know, when it comes to, you know, bringing, obviously bringing in more cases is important for growth and growing the law practice. But, you know, probate is one of those areas where it's kind of the redheaded stepchild of the law for whatever reason when it comes to, you know, a lot of lawyers say, oh, you know, I don't really didn't know. I, I, they tack it on to either estate planning or this or that. And, you know, I absolutely love doing probate work. Um, I love the providing the value to the people who are, you know, who had just lost a loved one. It's it's a really rewarding, you know, role to be able to help clients in that role. But, you know, my goal is to increase my recognition as a firm. I, I want to be the the go-to law firm in Missouri, at least in St. Louis to start uh, when it comes to probates, right? So that people think, hey, I, you know, there's a probate case, just like they might think of, you know, personal injury lawyers whenever they get in a car accident. I want to be known as the probate guy in St. Louis. And that's what I'm doing right now to kind of build that brand recognition to not only, you know, add more cases, but, you know, to ultimately to have a bigger impact in the space, which, you know, quite frankly is, you know, I think that we are state of the art when it comes to our systems and processes and client experience, you know, for the probate side. I think before you joined the guild, I did a training. I think Tyson was out of town or something. And I know that I had to do it sort of on the fly, but I remember the topic was what practice area would I adopt if immigration went away? And I picked probate litigation. I think it's something that's very scalable. I think it's something that, like you, I had litigation experience. It's something that I could handle. It's not full-blown litigation, which I was happy to get away from. And most importantly, I think there's lots of attorneys who look for someone to send that one probate litigation matter they hear about a year. I mean, maybe you can come up with a steady stream of people. Maybe estate planning attorneys can do that. But I think it's highly referable. I think it's a great practice area. I think of the three that you had, you picked the right one. I really think that what you're trying to do is very doable. And I just wanted to say that. Well, I appreciate that. And so our probate umbrella is my main focus is decedents estates. We have our litigation piece that I have, you know, a contract lawyer that does as well. But my main focus is decedents estates. So basically when somebody dies and their assets have to go through probate. And the majority of those cases are uncontested. Obviously, we can we handle and do handle the contested pieces and then the litigation pieces. But when it comes to, you know, the firm itself, you know, our focus is 
you know, getting people through that process. And, and, and a lot of it is just simply filing documents with the court, you know, forms with the court. And that's why, you know, we kind of built those processes to help assist with that. So, Jim, I think that's a really good point because like I can think of two probate lawyers in St. Louis that I refer to on a regular basis, just two. Like I could name dozens and dozens of criminal defense attorneys and personal injury attorneys and family law attorneys. But when it comes to probate litigation, I think that's right. But I'd say, John, what are the things that you are doing or, you, or the things that you know you need to be doing to make sure that you are known as that probate lawyer in St. Louis? Yeah. I mean, when it comes to you know the, the digital advertising space, I'm, I'm pretty well known, at least when it comes to you know the Google searches and that sort of thing. But there's definitely a big hole in my brand strategy or marketing strategy you know, going forward which is video content. Like I know I need to do that. I know it's part of, it can be a huge, you know, driver of not only recognition, but also value when it comes to content for the general public to consume. So that's definitely one thing that um, was actually my one thing this week was to make one video of, you know, some probate video to edit ultimately to put out. So there's a lot of things I can be doing. And I think, you know, if I want to be known as the probate guy in Missouri, I need to put out probably 10 to 100 fold of the content that I'm putting out now. Yeah. The way I always thought of it is that you need to convince the world that you're obsessed about that topic, like that that's all that you think about. Even if you think about other things, like being omnipresent and you want to get to that point where when people think probate litigation, they think of John, when they think of John, the harder part is when they think of John to make him think probate. Like for me, Everyone thinks immigration, right? Like that was my goal and it takes a shitload of content to do it. Yeah. And I, I understand that it's a bit, you know, I, it's, it's been one of those, you know, I've hesitated to just like a lot of people in the guild and, you know, and, and, and a lot of people in the guild have done amazing when it comes to, you know, forcing themselves to put that video content out. And I know both of you guys do it very well. It's one of those things that I'm now at the point where I actually have, you know, with a couple more staff members, I'm able to you know, kind of free up some time not be so much, you know, doing the legal work as opposed to spending more time basically in the marketing space. All right, John. Well, we are at our time, so I'm going to wrap things up. Before I do, I want to remind everyone to make sure you join us in the big Facebook group. There's a lot of great activity going on there. If you want a more high-level conversation with people like John Fritz, go to maxlawguild.com and join us there. There's a just a lot of great content being shared there as well. A lot of great knowledge too. It's an excellent place to be. And while you're listening to the rest of this episode, if you don't mind leaving us a five-star review, we would greatly appreciate it. It helps spread the love. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? We all spend a lot of time thinking about direct-to-consumer marketing. How do we get a particular person to raise their hand, people who are in need of our legal services? We don't spend nearly as much time thinking about the people who know those people. So my hack of the week is to spend some time this week thinking and drilling down and being creative, whatever practice area you have, who are the people that know the people that I want to represent? Spend some time on that. Devote a little bit more of your resources towards that. And I think you'll hit pay dirt. I like it. It's great advice, Jim Pope. All right, John, as you know, we always ask our guests to give a tip or hack of the week. What you got for us? Yeah. So my tip or hack of the week is to make a list of all the documents that you are creating from scratch in a given case, whether it's letters to clients, whether it's forms you're filling out, just make a master list of all the documents in that case and then see what data is going into each document. Okay. So if it's the client's name, the client's address, and 
mean, the client's birthday, that's going across all the documents in your case, right? Or most of them. Create some sort of, or at least consider adding some sort of document automation system onto it where you can input that data and it spreads it across all your documents um, to you. So I personally use something called Gavel. I think you guys actually had the CEO or the, the founder on here before. There's others out there, but just create a process or create a system where you're not doing data entry for every single document in a case, but that it'll spread it across all the documents. Or if you're using documents across multiple practice areas that are the same, you know, automate those so that you're not having somebody spend that time because the small amount of time, it might be, you know, a few minutes or it might be, you know, 15, 20 minutes on a document. But if you extrapolate that over all the documents that you're producing in a week or a month or a year, it becomes a massive time spend. Great advice. Good stuff. All right. So my tip of the week is actually a fun one. I think Jim might like this. I can't wait to see him do this, but it's the Wonder Woman pose. It's called the power pose. Okay. It was actually a TikTok. It was Tony Robbins was talking about it, but apparently there's a lot of science behind it. So if you do that for two minutes straight, it increases confidence. It improves your body language. Obviously it reduces stress levels. It puts you in a better mood and then you get better performance as well. Like there's a bunch of science that backs it up. It's the craziest thing though. Like just doing that Wonder Woman pose for two minutes. And if I think if, you only have to do like, you know, once a week or whatever. But if you do that, there's a lot of health benefits to it. And in men, there's some studies that say that it increases testosterone. It's kind of a crazy thing. But when you get a chance, if you're listening to this episode, just kind of you know, do it for two minutes and uh, see if it does anything for you. So like this? No, like with your hands on your hips, like that oh, one. Oh, like that. Oh. Yeah, like it's that. hard to tell. We can't see it. The, the full pose yeah, with, yeah. with the camera like this, you know. It's the groin thrusting that increases <laughs> testosterone. Apparently, <laughs> that's probably what it is. Actually, so uh, the Wonder Woman pose. It's a fun one. Cool. All right, John. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thanks for your time and uh, sharing a lot of great information. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. You guys have been awesome uh, in the guild and outside the guild. So I appreciate everything you guys do. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. The to stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.